welcome, and thank you for joining us today for the teaching and preaching ministry from Central Baptist Church, Kannapolis, North Carolina. As senior pastor, Dean Hunter shares from the Bible how to live in a fallen world. The goal of Central Baptist Church is to change the world by teaching the Word of God. Come, let's listen in. Second Peter chapter 3, again... For the last few weeks, we've been there as Peter has turned the page and started to teach us about the day of the Lord. Last week, in verses 1 through 7, we were reminded of the imminency of the Lord's return. I'm reminded often that not everyone that we encounter on a daily or a weekly basis believes that Jesus will return. Anybody figured that out yet? Not everybody believes that Jesus is gonna return. Not everyone lives as if he will return in judgment. Unfortunately, Peter addresses even believers who need to be reminded to be living as if he's going to return imminently. No amens there, because we're all here together. We need to be reminded, that'll be a week or two from now. I'm reminding you now, but Peter will remind us in a week or two in chapter three. I say all that to say whether we believe it or not, whether your friends or family members or coworkers or students classmates believe that he's returning or not is irrelevant to the reality that he is going to return. The day of the Lord is at hand, has been at hand for quite some time. And we're living in these last days before the day of the Lord. And in 2 Peter chapter 3 today, I want us to read two verses and um, just preach on these two verses, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 8 and 9 as is a tradition here, if you would stand as we honor what I believe is the only word, the only book worth standing to honor, the Word of God. Absolute truth. How do you know it? I believe it. By faith. By faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And by faith, I believe this is the Word of God. It's good for doctrine, for teaching good for correcting us, for reproving us, and it's good for godly instruction. And that's why we trust in it, and that's why we live by it. That's why we make no apologies when it offends. Election's over. We can talk all kind of politics and (laughs) divisive stuff. 2 Peter chapter 3, two very familiar passages of Scripture. And I'm going to Clear all your confusions and all your questions will be answered today because I am right. <laughs> Second Peter chapter three, verse number eight. But beloved believers, Christians, faithful, be not ignorant, be not uninformed of this one thing. Oh, we need to pay attention. Believers, I'm done. This is gonna be a short sermon that I'm gonna stretch out so y'all be ready. Believers, this is what Peter says, 
Beloved, we see one thing we need to pay attention to. Everybody paying attention to this one thing? What's the one thing, Peter? Please tell us this great wealth of information that will help us in the last days. And this is what he says. Don't neglect to remember this, that a day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day. If I said, raise your hand if you've heard that verse, there'd be hands going up everywhere. Hands in the world would go up. But what is it in reference to? Many people would say, I'm not really sure. A day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day. Church, beloved believers, don't forget this one thing. And then verse nine. Oh, another good verse. Y'all ready for this one? The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some men count slackness. Anybody figured out some men are slacking their promises? That's kind of out of context, but it sounded good. He's not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. By the way, promise there is singular, talking about the promise of his return. But he's long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Father, thank you for your word. God, I understand, I know these two verses are vitally important for the church to know and trust in in the last days before you return. I pray that we would be hearers of your word, receptive to be taught by your Holy Spirit. No doubt this passage will be encouraging to many believers today. I pray that that's what happens. And no doubt there'll be people here today who are lost They're not part of the beloved. They're not part of the church. They may be members of this church or another church, but they're not part of your church. And God, may they see above all today your grace and your mercy and your patience as you long for them to know you in a personal way. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As we've been discussing the last days, and as we were introduced last week to the day of the Lord, today, I want us to look at these two verses and not just talk about or see the day of the Lord, but I want us to notice the delay of the Lord, the delay of the Lord. If we're honest... And we're men and women, boys and girls of scripture, and we've been in Sunday school, we've been in Bible school, we've been in church, many of us, all our lives. And look what it got us. No, and we've been in church all of our lives. We've heard about Jesus returning. We've heard about the second coming. We've heard evangelists come in and scare people into getting saved. Or talk about the judgment that's coming. Scaring people into getting saved, potentially. You've heard people preach about heaven. Time out. Way out of context sometimes, but we've heard people preach about heaven and encourage people to go because there's ice cream in heaven and unicorns and rainbows and puffy clouds and no devil. But we've all been made aware that there's a day coming when the Lord will return 
and life on earth will change. Now, I'm going to give a little disclosure and a disclaimer at the beginning here. And I'm going to use some good Greek, Southern Greek. I ain't got it all figured out yet. And I'm just bold enough or immature enough or naive enough or honest enough to say, I don't have it all figured out God's timeline. What I do have figured out that I think we can all agree on is that he will return. I've got to be a little preachy here because it gets on my nerves, my spiritual godly nerves. When people are yakking back and forth in their circles about pre, post, ah, mid, and blah, 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 blah. There's a, there's a higher priority to the scriptures and the gospel than when and how and the timeline and the bookmarks and, well, but my bookmarker says that he's coming here, but you got yours from another, her- I mean, another preacher and he says this. The priority is the gospel. And the priority when we think of eschatology, and if I don't teach you anything in my tenure here about eschatology, let me teach you this. The priority is Jesus will return. He will, according to this text that we'll get to later, he will burn this place up with fire. He will eliminate, I'm already preaching next week, he will eliminate the works of the earth and all that we see will be dissolved. The word there is with a sizzle. And all that will remain will be the original earth. Oh, now everybody's intrigued. That sounds like eschatology to me. I like it. It's going to be cleaned up so that he can build the new heaven and the new earth. Church, please listen to me. If you want to read about that and you want to dig about that and you want to argue about that, do that way after the fact of the gospel and his return. Don't let the intricacies of the when and the how and how many years and what does this mean in Daniel and this mean in Revelation and all that, don't let that overshadow the reality that you need to be saved, you need to be born again and that he's coming back and you need to be ready. Because it's irrelevant as to what month, what year and what preacher said it. What's relevant is that you're ready when he comes. There's only one way to be ready to make Jesus Lord of your life. Jesus is the only way. He is the only truth. He is the only life. And according to scripture, not the Baptist faith and message, but according to scripture, he is the only way to God's heaven. We need to be ready. So if he comes tonight, we're ready. If he comes as a thief in the night, we're ready. We're ready. In these last days, as I said, we've heard for a long time that Jesus is coming back. Hopefully I just reminded you of that. But here's the question if we're honest. What's taking him so long? You realize that people have been thinking that since the first century? Those disciples and apostles were like, he said he was coming back. The angel said, why are you standing here gazing? The same Jesus going up, he's coming back. And I, get, I guarantee you, they spent the next weeks, the next months, 
going, oh my goodness, what's taking him so long? And here we are 2,000 years later in our pious spiritual lives saying, what could be taking Jesus so long? Does he not know that we're ready to get out of this mess? Does he not know how evil this world is? What's taking him so long? Peter answers that question. And what's taking Jesus so long? The delay of the Lord. And so let's dig into it. Two verses, four points. First reason why there is a delay is because of God's perspective. If I've learned anything in my Christian walk, is my ways are not his ways and his ways are not my ways. And in verse eight, Peter tells us that my days are not his days and his days are not my days. God's perspective is quite different than mine. So when I even use the word delay, when we use the word delay, why it's taking you so long, God? Why are you delayed? We have to understand that's humanity speaking. That's our perspective speaking. Because for some of us, a day feels like a thousand years. I thought my patience would get better with age. But it doesn't seem to be happening. And I heard an old person the other day say, the older I get, the more grumpy and aggravated I get. So I guess, I guess it's natural. The thing is, you get old and you don't care if you're grumpy. You're like, I'm old, I can be grumpy. I'm supposed to be, I'm old. What are you gonna say about it? I'm not there yet, but it's not getting better. Stoplights take longer than ever before. They may take exactly the same as they did last month, but it just seems like it's taken forever. And then the car in front didn't anticipate it ever changing. And what seems to be 10 minutes they wait was about 10 milliseconds. But because our perspective is different than God's, we're a little impatient. That's not a sin, by the way, to be impatient. I don't have a verse for that, but it's not. I think what's interesting, if we want to apply this to our day and our age, because we live in such a rapidly changing world with technology, so, so many thoughts, um, it makes us more impatient. Because everything we want, we can have now. I mean, we're to the point to where you think you want something on Amazon and they're delivering it before you even order it, hardly. When we say something out loud in a conversation, we get on Facebook and there's the ad. They're watching. Some of the things you literally order and it's on your doorstep in two hours. And you think they're good. I think they've been spying on us. The van's been cruising around the neighborhood just waiting on me to order that thing that they knew because they've been spying. He's crazy. Yeah. But beloved believer, the delay of the Lord is only a delay because of our perspective, but we see God's perspective is different. God is not bound by time. God is eternal. That is unfathomable to us. 
We can't wrap our minds around the fact that God is timeless. He has no beginning, he has no ending. As a matter of fact, in Genesis, we talk about creation. We, you know, in the beginning, God created, and sometimes we just overlook where God came from. And the Bible says, in the beginning, God, whoa, stop. God is eternal. God is not bound by the same stoplights and impatience that we are. Remember what some of the people were questioning in verse four of chapter three? These false teachers and these false followers. Where is the promise of his coming? Nothing's changed. It's an age old question. Why is he not returning? Why is he not here? Why has he not come? What's taking him so long? And Peter says, let me help you out with that question. God's perspective is different. His time is different. A thousand years is like a day, and a day is like a thousand years. And he says, don't be ignorant of this fact, church. Ignorant is the same word that he used in verse five when he talked about those false teachers who were willfully ignorant. They willfully overlooked the reality of creation. And he's saying to believers, do not willfully overlook this one reality. God's timing's different than yours. Church, that's a, that's a, that's a cataclysmic shift in our theology, in our worldview, and how we view life and the perspective of life. Y'all don't seem to be very excited about that, and that's all right, but, but Peter said, don't overlook this one thing. And so we've got to cling to the reality and the promise that God's days are different than our days. His timing is different, not just in his return, but how he operates. God promises that all things work together for good for them who love the Lord and those who are called according to his purpose. That doesn't mean we'll find out the answer tomorrow. We trust in this promise of Romans 8, 28. But that means the promise may not be revealed. The, the, um, the ending may not be understood or realized until way past our timing. Everybody with me? I wish you could see how you look right now. I'm serious. As Christians, we trusted Romans 8, 28. When we go through hard times, we go through battles, we go through challenges. If you're a believer and you know it, you have no question about it, you, you relish in the fact and the promise that all of these things will work out for God's good. But in humanity, in our time, we're like, but when's it gonna happen, God? We understand, and here's a good statement, that God could do in a day what would take man a thousand years to do. That's a good reminder when the world seems to be unraveling on both ends. We work our fingers to the bone trying to make sure that things good happen in, in, in our community and in our church and in the world. But God could take care of what would take man a thousand years in one day. God promised Israel would be delivered from Egypt. Do we not think that God in his sovereignty and his authority could have done that in a day? But yet he took 80 years. 80 years? 
Because God's timing is not our timing, but his timing is perfect. I read a statement that said this, God is never in a hurry, but he's never late. We're all thinking, some of us good Christian Sunday schoolers are thinking, three days late. He stinks, he's been dead for three days, you're late. It's not in my notes, but just because you were thinking it and I could feel it, there it is. His timing's perfect. But it wasn't what the sisters thought. Jesus, do you not know what you're doing? I mean, if you'd have been here, this wouldn't have happened. And if we're honest, we do the same thing. God, if you're God, God, if you're in control, you wouldn't let these idiots take over. Or fill in the blank. No, that God is in control. And unfortunately, it's not a good church word. A lot of idiots are in control. But it will come to an end. I'm not just talking about politics. because you know, that's over. We don't talk about that. I'm talking about leadership in the world, leadership in the churches. There's a lot of craziness going on, but it will come to an end in his timing. Do we believe God could have created the earth in one day and everything that was in it? Absolutely. But, but God didn't do it that way. He took six days and then he rested. Well, if he's God, couldn't he have done it? Yeah, but he, his ways are not our ways. And his days are not our days. God operates differently. He has no beginning. He has no end. He is eternal. The psalmist said in Psalm 90, 1 through 4, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, there ever had thou formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. You turn man to destruction and say, and say, return ye children of men, for a thousand years in thy sight, but as yesterday when it is past, as a watch in the night. Isaac Watts wrote a hymn, O God, our help in ages past, in reference to this. And what a testimony of believers that he says, O God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, our shelter from the stormy blast in our eternal home. Before the hills in order stood or earth received its frame, everlasting from everlasting you are God to endless years the same. A thousand ages in your sight are like an evening gone. He stole that from the psalm. Short as the watch that ends the night before the rising sun. Listen to this last line. Oh God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. Still be our guard while troubles last in our eternal home. God is eternal. God's ways are not our ways. And God's perspective is different than our perspective. And that's one of the reasons there's a delay in his return. Number two is not just God's perspective, but God's promise. In verse nine, there's a reason we see why God is delaying his return. Because the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. That word slack is our word delay. The Lord, uh, God is not delaying his promise as some understand delay. We look at it as a delay, but it's no delay to God. We look at our calendar and go, oh, really? God doesn't have a calendar. Now, some of you have heard the calendar of God, that phrase, for years, and you think that's in Philippians somewhere. (laughs) And you think I just said something that was heresy. I don't know if God has a calendar. 
He may have the same one I have. I've got a Samaritan's purse one in, in my office. He may have that one. If you want God to have a calendar, he has one. If you don't care, I don't care, he doesn't. Here's what I know, he doesn't need one. Time is different to God. And in reference to that, his slackness or his delay is a result of his promise. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. What's the promise? The singular promise here. He's going to return. He's going to return, and things are going to change. And God doesn't operate his promises in a delayed fashion the way men do. Y'all can wake up and appreciate this. I promise to pay you back. That's when you need a calendar, either on your phone or on the wall so you can mark. Billy promised to pay me back on this day at 345. So you can keep your little book and go back and say, it's been two months and three days and six hours, and Billy still hadn't paid me back. Billy's slack concerning his promises. But God's not slack. God is not delayed. He answers the question here. We ask, what's the delay? And he says, there's no delay. What delay are you talking about, little Dean? Little fill in your name? Because you've done the same, even though you're all looking at me like Anglican priests this morning. I don't know what they look like. I do know one, but you don't look like him. He's ugly, but I do know one. And um, fill in your name, and let's be honest, that sometimes we get weary and we get upset with God. Like, God, if you really loved the world, if you really loved me, if you really cared about me, you'd do something right about now. And if we're honest, and I hope we can be at least honest with God, we can look back at times in our life. I can, I can mark the times in my life where me and God had some conversations and I might not have said that to his face, but I think he heard what I was saying. And what I was saying with my actions and my attitude and my, let's say attitude again, because my parents told me I had an attitude during this time, and I think they were onto something, because I had an attitude, was a result of me having a conversation with God. God, if you really are in control, why didn't you control this situation? You really asked God that? Well, I didn't say it out loud, but he heard that because he knows my thoughts and he knows everything before it even leaves my tongue, what the Bible says. And if you're honest, and I hope you can be, there have been some times where we've thought, God, what's taking so long? You promised all things work for my good. If I love you, if I'm called according to your plan and, and your purpose, then I am, but what's taking so long? And fortunately, if we live long enough, we can look back on some of those times and say, you know what, God's time was perfect. If he would have answered here, then this wouldn't have happened. And, and that's our futile perspective from humanity is that we're trying to figure out God's plan. And God's looking up in a different perspective than we could ever imagine saying, hey, I got this figured out, just trust me. 
because I saw the next turn. I saw the next stoplight where you were almost cussing that guy. I saw the next turn. I saw the next choice. I saw the next fork in the road. And my perspective is different. But I promise, and my promises are sure. My promises are certain. They may not be in your time, but they will happen. And here's this one promise, church, he says, I'm gonna come back again. There will be a second coming. There will be a a glad reunion day. There will be a, a destruction day. There will be a burning of the earth by fire day where the world and the ungodly, those who are anti-Christ, will suffer their destruction. That will happen, he says. I promise it'll happen. And though it seems like that promise is slack, though it seems like that promise is delayed, it's right on time. And it will happen. The delay of God is not because of his empty promise, but because of his enduring patience. Which leads us to the third point, God's patience. Why is God delaying? Well, his perspective is different. His promises are sure. But the third thing, and if you're gonna wake up for anything, wake up for this, God is patient. God is patient. For us believers who are many times hoping praying that it soon happens, questioning whether God knows what he's doing or not. There's another side to that coin, which is the unbeliever, who needs to hear what Peter says right here. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some slack promisers are, but he is long-suffering to us. Long-suffering is the patience of God. I think it's clear to see, now that I've used an example of my impatience, to be reminded that God's patience is quite different than mine. And if you're halfway like me, that's a good time to even, either, either grunt or under your breath say amen, or out loud, if you're not ashamed, say thank you God that your patience is not like mine. In the previous text, Peter reminds us of the days of Noah and the flood, the imminent destruction of the earth by water. He makes the parallel and says the day's coming, but not by water, but by fire. And he uses the flood as an illustration of the second coming. Jesus talked the same way. As in the days of Noah, men will be doing this and that and saying, where's he come? Where's he come? Oh, you're laughing at the rain. It's not going to rain. There'll be any rain. But God's promise is sure. God's promise may seem delayed to us, but it's right on time. The storm system was right in time. And in a similar fashion, I think about Noah. You know, we all say, well, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask old Peter, right, Um, here's the quick answer. You're not. You got better things to do. But it's kind of like, well, if I win the lottery, so that's, well, you can't win if you don't play. 
So when I think about what I'm going to do with the lottery money, it's just a dream because I'm not playing. Now, some of you can play and give, and that'll be fine if you win. I'm assuming nobody hit the one and a half billion or whatever because, or either you're so stingy you didn't even give any of that to God. Some of you, let's just talk about the lottery for a second. Some of you are scared you're going to win and they're going to put your picture in the paper. There we go. Now, is there a way I can win? Like, can I sign something and you not use my name and likeness? It'll be all right. We'll laugh about it. We'll take at least 10% of it and use it. And we'll put your name on a building, whatever you want to do. And I think about Noah and the lottery. What my mind always goes to. And if I did have that conversation with Noah, I think me and Noah would get along well. I think me and Noah and every other pastor, Baptist pastor, would get along well. Like, how did you deal with all the 120 years of preaching and an empty altar when you gave the altar call? Or no response. Now, once again, I'm not going to ask Noah that because I've got better things to do when I get there. But I think we can all relate, preachers especially. 120 years, no response. By the way, I've learned, if I've learned anything, they did respond. Every Sunday, I've learned this, everybody responds. I can't take it personal. If I preach this and he's magnified, you respond to him. If you're thinking you're responding to me, that's what's wrong. We're responding to him and his word. Every Sunday, every time it's opened, we're making a response. We're giving a response. Noah preaches 120 years. I wonder if Noah ever questioned, God, what's taking so long? Now, I think Noah was probably on a timeline to get this big boat finished. So he might have needed 120 years. But I'm sure... Day after day, working, 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 preaching, preaching, preaching. 120 years and nobody's doing anything but laughing at him. That's one side of the coin. The other side is for 120 years, God was withholding his judgment, his promised imminent judgment on a lost ungodly, God-defying generation for 120 years, grace was extended. God was patient. This is for the preacher. This is for the Christian. This is for the pastor. This is for the leader. Listen to this. Noah's preaching. Not only is he not getting the response he wants, he's getting ridiculed. He's getting laughed at. No doubt people are making fun of him. I think some of the meanest people were hiding their tools, things like that. Probably writing letters, emails. Stupid idiot. What is rain? You're crazy. You chop down these trees. Now birds don't have a place to live. Probably people out there tree-hugging then, too. <laughs> Cut this down over my dead body. <laughs> He's getting ridiculed. He's getting laughed at. He's getting made fun of. His sons are. His wives are. But yet God was expressing his patience 
with the world. At Noah's expense. At my expense. At your expense. Day after day. Teenager in school, young guy in college, young adult at work, whatever. The, the challenge is there to speak up, to live up, to be the one that God wants you to be in face of criticism, in the face of judgment, in the face of potentially not getting that raise or getting that next level on the rung. And as, as we are tempted to take that personally, let's make sure we see the other side of the coin that God is being patient with a lost and dying world. We watch the news and we, we see these people fighting to kill babies. Let's remember, God is patient. And every day, listen, every day that we live that Jesus does not return is a day of grace and mercy and the patience of God. Nobody in their right mind can look around and see what's going on and say the world doesn't deserve God's fiery judgment right now. Nobody in their right mind can deny that. But God has not returned. He's delayed. Why? Because he is long-suffering. He is patient. In Romans chapter two, Paul says, he's asking this question to the church and he says, do you despise the riches of his goodness? Are you rejecting? Are you overlooking? Are you taking for granted? Are you dismissing God's goodness and forbearance and long suffering, knowing not, not knowing that it's the goodness of God that leads a man to repentance? Man, woman, boy, girl, everyone here today, Everyone listening, everybody watching, if you've never accepted Jesus as your personal savior, if you've never made him Lord of your life, the fact that Jesus has not returned, the fact that the, the coming of the Lord has not happened, the day of the Lord has not happened, is an opportunity today, scripture says is the day of salvation, today is the opportunity through God's grace his mercy, and his patience to accept him as your personal savior. Every day you wake up and you're alive and he hasn't come back is a day where God's patience and long-suffering, his mercy has been extended to you. I'm talking to people who right now know if they were to meet Jesus today, they would meet him lost. That person, if you're listening, when you lay your head on your pillow tonight, you lay your head on your pillow knowing that for another day you rejected the mercy and the grace and the patience of God. We all deserve judgment. The wages of sin is death, condemnation, destruction. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. If I've accepted Christ as my Savior, and I have, which is good to know, your pastor is a Christian. 
I have accepted Christ as my Savior. He's Lord of my life. I have not forgotten nor despised the goodness of God. I have I've taken advantage of the goodness of God, his patience. And I encourage you to do the same. God's goodness is demonstrated by his patience. Later in verse 15, Peter actually says that the patience of the Lord is salvation. A few verses ahead in verse 15. So, so here's, a, here's a refresher. Christian who's struggling, God, why are you not coming back? Let's see the other side. There's a lot of people that still need to hear and still need to respond to the gospel. Got any lost friends? Got any lost family? Got any people that you know based on their testimony and their life that if Jesus were to return tomorrow, they would not spend eternity in heaven? But they would do the opposite. What scripture says, they would spend eternity in hell, separated God forever. You know anybody like that? That you really love, that you really care about, that you really want to see saved, that you really want to see in church, that you really want to see a part of the family of God, that you really want to live forever in God's presence with them in eternity in heaven, but they're lost. You know anybody like that? So every day, now this, is, this, is, this is convicting, every time, every time we question and say, God, why are you not coming back? Don't you see we're in trouble? We need to get out of this mess. Think about that person. Think about that family member. Think about that friend. Think about that classmate. That every day you're inconvenienced with his lack of return, that grace has been extended to them. And pray for them. And remind them, God is good. God is merciful. God is gracious. And God is patient. And he's waiting on you. And he is. The fourth is not only his patience and last, but God's plan which all of these come together. What is the plan of God in reference to his delay? Well, here's my answer. He has a plan. I don't know about you, but I like to have a plan. Y'all got plans? I know some people that don't plan. I don't like them. I don't like to be around them. I'd prefer to walk the other way. They're just, now, I'll, I'll be honest. Um, I know some of them. I could call them by name right now. Could you? People don't have a plan, no calendar. Life is great. I'm going to wake up whenever I wake up in the morning. Go to bed when I'm good to bed. Hey, if I want to do something, I'll do something. For I know those people. Me and those people don't get along. <laughs> when you were in school, you found out who they were. When you had a group project. You had somebody said, let's do it. Here's how we do it. Here's getting the paper. Yeah, when y'all get done, let me know. I hope we pass. It's that person. It's that person. I don't know about you, but I can handle a lot of ups and downs and left and rights and back and forth in life if I know there's a plan. Now, I still get a little anxious, still get a little impatient, but if I know there's a plan. And here's why the church can be encouraged. God has a plan. God's plan is perfect. God's plan is right on time. Not your time, but his time. God's plan involves patience, which is not us. If anybody called on that God's plan is not our plan, because his perspective is different, his patience is different. You might figure it out God's just different from us. 
Anybody grateful that God is different than us? Because if God was us or we were God, all these lost people wouldn't have a chance. Go to heaven now. They deserve death. But God is patient. God's promises are true. His perspective is different. And it's all part of his plan. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God has a plan. He says that his plan, his desire, in the last portion of verse 9, is that all should come to repentance. Now, let's just get some theology out of the way. Let's make this real easy. Do we think everyone will come to repentance? No. The whole world's going to be saved. We'll all be in heaven. Won't that be great? Well, it sounds good. And Oprah makes it sound better. But it's just not true. I keep picking on her because she's the one that started this mess, in my opinion. Actually, she didn't. She gets a lot of credit for it, but it's been going around for hundreds and hundreds of years. We're all going to heaven. God's a God of love. It doesn't matter how you get there. He's going to love you anyway, and you're going to get there, and we're going to have a good time. Somebody's going to be strumming a guitar. We're going to be roasting marshmallows, kumbaya. It'll be great. Everybody's going to heaven, which is crazy. It's, it's willfully ignorant. It's false teaching. It sounds good, and it makes God sound even more loving, but it's just not true. One way to heaven. And Jesus is the only way. God has a plan. And God's plan, according to verse 9, is that not any, that none should perish, die without hope. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's not die, we're all going to die. It's point man wants to die after that judgment. But God's plan is that none should die without hope, that none should perish eternally. That's his plan. But quite the opposite, that all should come to repentance. God's plan is not for the world to perish, but for the world to come to repentance. Now, I know, I'm going to have to throw this in here real quick. I know there's a lot of back and forth. I know there's a lot of discussion, a lot of division, a lot of questions uh, in reference to this. And that's not what I'm here to talk about. But when I, when I see this verse and see that God's not willing that any should perish, but counter, but all should come to repentance, here's what I do know. Here's a good quote. You like it, like it. If you don't, throw it away. God doesn't call people to damnation, but he calls people to salvation. That answers a lot of questions in that world today. God's plan is for man to repent. By the way, God's plan has always been for man to repent. When John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus, came on the scene, he had one message, and the message was, get baptized. No, his message was, repent, for the day of the Lord is at hand. What's that mean? Turn. It meant the same thing then as it means now. You're living in this direction, live in this direction. Uh, Satan is Lord of your life, make Jesus Lord of your life. Turn, repent. For the day of the Lord, for the kingdom of the Lord is at hand. Today, the same message. Jesus preached it. Jesus preached in Matthew 4. After he was introduced, he comes on the scene. He says, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Today, church, our message to the world is repent, for the day of the Lord is at hand. Because God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 
Repentance is not turning over a new leaf. Repentance is not, hey, we're about to have a new year. Let's make a new year's resolution. That is not repentance. Repentance is a, a commitment to God to turn a change of heart and mind that results in a change of action that only comes through a personal relationship with Jesus. That's God's desire for the world. Does that mean everybody will? Nope, covered that already. But that's his plan. He says that he wants all to come to repentance. It's an interesting, it would be another message, but the word come there means to make room. He wants everyone to make room for repentance in their heart. In Romans chapter 10, Paul says, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. God's plan involving his patience, involving his promises, and involving his perspective It's for the world, for all to come to know him in a personal relationship. As I said, there's a lot of differing opinions about the theology and doctrine. I'm not here to argue that. But I am, I'm here to say this in reference to that. God desires for you to know him. God desires for the world to repent and accept Jesus as their savior. I couldn't imagine a world in a church as a pastor or preacher where I said anything other than that. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. God's apparent delay in his return, his plan is for repentance. The delay is certainly not due to his inability, but it's driven by his grace and his mercy. Every day he delays is a day of grace. Now for you eschatological professors, I believe the day of grace is coming to an end. I believe when the Lord returns, grace is no more as we know it. I believe, based on scripture, that the day of the Lord is a period of time where it begins and it lingers, it continues, and it will be a great day of judgment on the earth. I believe, I believe backed by scripture, that when that day begins and that time frame begins, it's too late to make him Lord of your life. I believe we're in a day of grace, a day of mercy, a period of dispensation, some would say, of grace. The reality is we all deserve judgment. We all deserve condemnation. We all deserve destruction. But God's grace has been extended to the world. And every day there's a delay. It's an extension of grace to the world. God has a plan. He will return, he promised in his own time. Would you stand with me? Thank you for listening today. If you would like to know more about Central Baptist Church events and ministries, please visit our webpage at cbckannapolis.com.